0: Well, our tour guide, Peter Rokovina, has joined us once again to escort us off the beaten track. Hi, Peter. Hi, Matt. This week, we're talking about a uh, a song, a legendary piece of music, and you're going to tell us a bit about the history behind it. Yeah, it's a little bit of off the beaten river, maybe, instead of off the beaten track today. (laughs) Old Man River is the tune. Yeah, Old Man River is, is a song that a lot of people will know, I think, as soon as they hear it. It's from a musical called Showboat. And we'll start maybe by talking a little bit about Showboat, and sure. then uh, and then hear some renditions of of Old Man River. Uh, Showboat actually started off life as a novel back in 1926. A woman named Edna Ferber. Uh, She was from Kalamazoo, Michigan of all places, Uh, not necessarily from the Deep South as you might imagine, (laughs) apparently she wrote uh, a considerable part of the novel in France of all places too, after spending some time on riverboats on the Mississippi. uh, She wrote the book in 1926, she had actually won a Pulitzer Prize back in 1924 for a novel called So Big, so she had some renown, uh, but this was really her, her big break as a novel became quite popular and uh, it follows the life of a woman named Magnolia. She was daughter of a captain of a riverboat called the Cotton Blossom. She marries a gambler whose name is Gaylord Ravenal. Wonderful names. Mm. Uh, as a result of uh, his gambling, they, they end up separating. Magnolia moves to Chicago where she takes up a life uh, uh, of musical comedy. Uh, they actually have a daughter before or so after they separate. Uh, the daughter ends up being coming estranged from the mother. Uh, she follows her mother into show business nonetheless. Uh, and then many years later, the show closes with Magnolia and Gaylord and the daughter all sort of having a, a happy family reunion when the daughter's an international musical star and the parents go to see her play. So Happy ending. Yeah, exactly. Woven throughout this this uh, plot this somewhat complicated plot is a subplot which talks about racial issues on the Mississippi uh, mm-hmm. River the black riverboat workers uh, there's a there's a, another subplot uh, G- Magnolia 's best friend, a woman named Julia Laverne uh, she and her husband are, are uh, on the riverboat and then they run afoul of the law apparently because it turns out that it is somehow discovered that Julie is is of mixed race and this is illegal at the time so it's really uh, um, in terms of a musical and a novel for that matter it was one of the first to address these these kinds of issues. Well, for the 1920s, that's pretty groundbreaking that's right. stuff. Now, in 1927, uh, Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein got together and convinced Edna Ferber, and apparently did take some convincing, to allow them to uh, adapt the novel into a musical. Uh, not necessarily, when you read the novel, the kind of novel which, which uh, lends itself to being converted to a musical, but I think they did a fairly good job, a fantastic job, from, from all accounts. Uh, it was groundbreaking in its own way, not only because of the content, because it was really the first musical that had a plot, per se, and music that tied into the plot and it really gave structure to musical theatre which had up until that point been uh, relatively free-form vaudeville. Uh, it's seen as being really the the uh, the father of, of American musical theatre in terms of a production. It originally played Broadway in 1927. It was then adapted into a movie in 1936 and again another movie in 1951. It's been on, revived on Broadway many times starting in 1946 and then uh, most recently many people would have heard uh, it was almost the swan song of Garth Drabinsky uh, in his live ent- uh, empire. He brought it to Broadway and then it, it it came to Toronto where, in fact, it met with some controversy again because of some racial issues that, uh, that people opposed in Toronto. So. Mm-hmm. A big lavish production, with oh, the, the boats on stage and everything. And Old Man River, one of the tunes in it. Yeah, and, and I think probably the most famous tune. Uh, it's sung by Joe. One of the riverboat workers, it's sung actually several times throughout the musical and and, and, uh, at the finale. Uh, Edna Ferber, who wrote the original novel, uh, said in her autobiography, quite a nice quote actually, she says, Jerome Kern appeared at my apartment late one afternoon with a strange look of quiet exultation in his eyes. He sat down at the piano. He didn't play the piano particularly well and his singing voice, though true, was negligible. He played and sang Old Man River. The music mounted, mounted, and I give you my word, my hair stood on end. The tears came to my eyes, I breathed like a heroine in a melodrama. This was great music. This was music that would outlast Jerome Kern's day and mine. I have never heard it since without that emotional surge. When Showboat was revived at the Casino Theatre in New York just four years after its original production at the Ziegfeld, I saw a New York first-night audience after Paul Robeson's singing of Old Man River shout and cheer and behave generally as I've never seen an audience behave in any theatre in all my years of play-going. That makes my hair stand on <laughs> end just reading that, because it, it is it is a wonderful piece of music. It is, and Paul Robeson, as she mentioned uh, in, her, in her autobiography there, Paul Robeson is really th- the singer most closely associated with the song. He played Joe in the original. Broadway production and then again in the, in the 1936 movie. What a voice on this film! Just oh, a fantastic not- baritone voice. Uh, he actually went on to have uh, quite quite a life of his own separate and apart from, from musical theatre. He had been a, a football a star at Rutgers before his musical and, and acting career. He went on to uh, a life of renown as a political activist. He was blacklisted after the war, uh, quite a, a uh, black rights activist, anti-fascist activist, uh, appeared in Spain, uh, couldn't travel internationally. His passport was revoked at mm-hmm. some point, uh, many points actually throughout his career. Uh, the original 1927 lyrics. In fact, he ended up changing. They originally uh, saying, "I gets weary and sick of trying. I'm tired of living and scared of dying." He actually revised that sometime later to to sing. I keep laughing instead of crying. I must keep fighting until I'm dying. So, I think he's he's known for that as well. He's known really for, for a, a different approach to uh, to musical theater as well. So, uh, he's the one most closely associated with. Absolutely, the, uh, but with other the, people uh, really. have done this song. Yeah, everyone I think who, who's ever <laughs> sung has done it. Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Maynard Ferguson. Uh, it's really the kind of song which which attracts people. And and I've brought a couple of uh, renditions, Canadian renditions of it, uh, in fact, uh, with me today. Today. Back in 1990, June 1st, 1990, I was program director at a small radio station in Ontario, a radio station called Trent Radio. Uh, we organized an evening of performances by local musicians at the Market Hall in downtown Peterborough, and one of the performers was a man named Curtis Drieger. Listeners might remember we talked about him back in the fall a little bit. Uh, he's a, a former frontman of a, a somewhat infamous band, a Toronto band called the Seedies. Uh, he was partners with a man named Doug Cameron, who Baha'i people might know. He's quite a, a famous Baha'i. Yes. Um, Here's a little bit of, of his performance from that night. It was recorded live and originally broadcast on, on Trent Radio. Here's Curtis singing Old Man River.
1: You got any sounds of rushing water there, John, on your uh, sound sampler? No? That's He keeps on
0: Curtis you're there. You don't often hear Old Man River done with an acoustic guitar, but that works. No, no, work. it works very well. That's probably the most minimalist you can do Old Man River with, unless you do it acapella. So. Yeah. And you have a, a new artist, or not a new artist, but a new recording by a Canadian artist. Yeah, Toronto artist Jane Sibri, uh, probably known to people mostly for her album Manoir Color. Uh, Meanie on the Beach uh, was a, a famous song of hers that, uh, that was on the pop charts for a while, probably about 10, 12 years ago. Uh, in recent years, she's actually been managing her career mostly from her website. Uh, she has a, a record company that she owns and controls called Sheba Records. Her website is www.sheba.ca, and uh, she's been recording and releasing recordings and selling them on her website. And she's uh, come up with an album which is actually not due to be released until September, but she's been selling advanced copies on her website. It's called Hush, and it's an album of uh, Celtic and American spirituals. And and uh, on Hush, she does a rendition of uh, Old Man River, which starts off uh, pretty well as minimally as Curtis, and then gets a little more orchestrated as thing goes in. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a classic piece of music, Peter, and I didn't know all this stuff about it, so I appreciate you coming in and telling us, and we're going to hear Jane Sabore now. Thanks very much. Thank you.
1: Here we all work along the Mississippi Here we all work while the white folk play Pulling them bows from the dawn till sunset Getting no rest. Till the judgment day. Jordan That's your stream That I long to Cross Old man knew, That old man knew. He don't say nothing, But he must know Let's go. I'm tired of living, but I'm scared.